these solutions typically it allows customers to conserve their own capital for their own core competence, and then we can provide subscription payments that allow customers to have a predictable budget on what they spend on energy efficiency. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I'm John Fiella, and welcome to another episode of Smart Energy Voices. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you don't miss any of our upcoming conversations and tell your peers about the podcast. At our recent Distributed Energy Sourcing Forum, I had the unique opportunity to sit down with Bob Vary, Senior Vice President of Sales and Relationship Management of Duke Energy to discuss the future of utility energy services and the very exciting transformation taking place at Duke Energy. Let's dive right in. Bob, thanks very much for being here with us. And why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Duke Energy? Thanks, John. And it's a pleasure to be here today. I really appreciate the invitation to join you. So as you mentioned, I'm heading up sales and relationship management at Duke Energy, which is primarily our customer-facing group focused on utility and large commercial and industrial customers, both within the Duke regulated footprint as well as outside of the regulated footprint. So the team I have basically makes up two traditional utility functions. So one is large account management, and this is a team of folks that are focused on our large commercial and industrial customers every day within our footprint. So they take care of billing issues. If there's a power quality issue, they engage our distribution organization. If there's a need for new facilities or expanded facilities, then we need to drop in a new distribution. Or if they're transmission-fed, expand the transmission feed. These teams work with our internal organizations every day to make that happen and take care of our customers. We also have our economic development team, which was also legacy within Duke, that also focuses on large commercial and industrial customers recruiting them to invest in facilities within our footprint. So these are typically large energy consumers. They're looking around the country for the best place to put in a new plant. And we're trying to encourage them through economic incentives, working with state and local governments, Mm -hmm. as well as incentives that are available within the company. And then also emphasizing the reliability and the cost of our services such that it's the right decision and right economic decision for them to build a plant within our footprint. So those are more traditional. The other parts that I have responsibility for are more of the, the commercially focused parts of the organization. So the first is our, our sales organization, and that's a, a mix of several different things. So it's our commercial renewable sales organization that's focused mm-hmm. on selling large-scale wind and solar projects and, and doing that via PPA or virtual PPA. It's our wholesale power sales organization, which is basically selling wholesale power to utility customers within our regulated footprint. And then we have our our distributed energy sales organization. So this is a combination of both the legacy Duke distributed energy sales organization, which sells things like 
resiliency or energy efficiency as a service, as well as larger scale projects such as central utility plant or combined heat and power plants. And that's combined with our REC solar sales organization, mm -hmm. which primarily sells behind the meter solutions throughout the country, but most of which are being sold in California and Hawaii. Interesting. Now, that's a pretty broad portfolio. Tell us a little bit about your personal background, because in, in getting to know you, I found it pretty interesting that you're, you're not a career utility guy. Tell us about your background and your personal history. So it's interesting. While I don't have a direct utility background until joining Duke about a year ago, mm -hmm. I've always been working in roles that associated with, with utilities. So mm -hmm. I had a 28-year career with ABB primarily in customer-facing roles, whether they be marketing and sales at a, one of our production locations or a direct outside sales role, account management role, both within the United States as well as global roles. And then I've had many different management roles within, within ABB before joining Duke. So interestingly, one of our strategic accounts at ABB was Duke Energy. Mm -hmm. So I had a chance to work with Duke, but more from a supplier perspective and not internally being part of utility. That's more of my background. And, and of course, coming over to Duke, it was an interesting transition because you see things from the outside and you see how utilities function. But obviously, once you get inside, you see a lot more about the sausage making that takes place within a company. But I'd say coming over, it was an interesting transition. And, and I say that because... Duke had always had that legacy part that I described earlier, which was the large account management and the economic development, but they wanted to expand and focus on growth more outside of the, the footprint of Duke and do things that were much more valuable in driving sustainability for our customers as, as they drive their own agendas as companies mm -hmm. around the country. So the benefit of bringing me into the company was that I had really strong commercial background with ABB selling all different types of solutions from small widgets up through complex high-voltage direct current systems. So I had a, a strong commercial background, but I also had a strong background in, in account management. And in fact, one of the roles that I had was being responsible for one very large global company. And I was the global account manager driving mutual growth, both for ABB to that company, as well as helping them find opportunities to sell more into ABB. So that background was something that Duke really needed to bring in from the outside. So basically, I was brought in to drive the focus on these new parts of the organization that I'll describe in a little while. Well, that makes sense. And it certainly speaks to the company's commitment to become more customer-focused and bringing someone like yourself into the company. So thinking about customer focus and thinking about where things are headed, what, what are some of the customer trends that you see driving the market and, and that are really influencing the change in mindset at Duke and their approach in dealing with large power customers? That's a really good question, John. And, and if I look at the market today and the trends that we're seeing, a lot of it revolves around resiliency, sustainability, reduction in carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. And these are all at the forefront of our customers' minds. And a lot of it is driven by their own corporate ESG goals. So like Duke, many companies have really solid ESG goals. Many of them have signed up for RE100 and commitments to reduce their, their carbon impact and their carbon footprint. So companies definitely have that focus, and this is driving trends. We also see that customers don't necessarily see energy as a core competence in their business. There are some that do, but mm -hmm. many don't. So as we continue to drive our solution sets forward, 
it's really revolving around the fact that many companies don't view this as core. And for Duke, it is core to us. The other that we're seeing, especially in energy, is many of our customers have people that are associated with energy at their facilities or within their company that are really getting closer to retirement. And companies are having to make that hard decision whether they replace these people or they look to a company like Duke to provide services for them and actually use us as an outsourcing partner. So those are some of the things that we're seeing as trends. So if you think about customers focusing on renewables, what we see are many customers are saving money because the cost of renewables continue to come down. That's really, when we think about the scale and scope of, of solar as an example, over time, the cost of solar panels and all the different equipment and the production and, and, and actually building facilities continues to come down and it actually makes it an economical solution for customers. So by implementing solar, customers are able to realize cost savings that allows them to then focus that money on some of their other goals. I'll give you an example. Kroger was able to save enough energy through installation of solar at their La Habra bakery in California that they were able to, to actually utilize that savings and invest in more into their zero hunger, zero waste program, which is a social impact plan that aims to end hunger in local communities and eliminate waste across the company by 2025. Mm-hmm. So us helping them deploy solar is really driving some of their other agendas because they're saving money by doing so. And if we look at ESG investment, this continues to be a hot subject for commercial and industrial customers around the country. And we're seeing customers invest in funds as well. So if you think about companies like Alphabet or Google's parent, you look into companies like Visa and Verizon, they're investing in their own ESG funds in order to drive more focus on on the E part of ESG or the environmental part of it. Mm -hmm. We're also seeing companies like Amazon invest in sustainability and decarbonation technology through VC funding. And in fact, Amazon just recently announced that they were investing $2 billion in in funds that will allow them to invest in new decarbonizing technology. So really great focus by the industry in general on, on sustainability and decarbonization. With that, you know, we look at what we're doing in the, the commercial renewable space, and we worked with Ball Corporation last year to sign a 15-year virtual power purchase agreement with our Duke Energy Renewables business. And the agreement was basically for 161 megawatts of emissions-free wind power from our Frontier 2 project in Oklahoma. And this helped Ball meet 50% of its current U.S. energy needs and cut emissions from every can of bo- or bottle they produce. It's also helping the company meet its ambitious corporate social sustainability goal by reducing absolute carbon emissions within its operations by 55%. So it's it's a great accomplishment by Ball, and we're so proud to be a part of that. And then the, the final part is really looking at resiliency to sustain business and also utilize resiliency as a competitive advantage. So with the number of storms and destructive events like wildfires that we're seeing out in the West... We're seeing an increased need for resiliency in microgrids by customers throughout the country, but really where we're seeing that is in areas that are very storm-prone or prone to events like wildfires. So we've been able to install a variety of different solutions, such as microgrids and other resiliency options with backup generation from the East Coast all the way to Hawaii. So a couple of cases that we've had over the past few years are a microgrid in Montgomery County, Maryland, based on solar as well as dependable Hawaiian Express and a distribution center they have in Hawaii, which which is another microgrid solution. And why I say that it's a competitive advantage for customers is that if you think about any type of storm event or major event where they lose power, 
if they're able to keep their power on, they're able to actually continue to serve their customers. And if they have competitors that mm -hmm. aren't doing that, they're actually bringing in new customers that wouldn't necessarily have shopped at their facility or worked with them as a company. And so this actually allows them with the stickiness of their solutions that they provide to their customers and providing more value to them, they're actually able to increase the amount of business they get from their customers. And we've seen that from many customers around the country. And the other, the other area when we think about resiliency is we've actually gone back and analyzed 700 saves from our resiliency platforms that we have deployed around the country. And on average, with the saves that we provided from our resiliency solutions, we've saved our customers on average over 2.5 hours of downtime each. So all those 2.5 hours actually allows them to continue to run their business and sell more and provides more monetary value for them in the long term. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I think you're dead on. I mean, the increased adoption of renewables, increased focus on resiliency and the increased impact that ESG goals are having on companies. I mean, those are the big drivers. One of the interesting things that we see happening based on some research we've done recently is that kind of COVID has had an impact on everyone's budgets, but this pressure to meet goals the pressure to meet emission targets, the pressure, the investor pressure related to ESG goals is, is unrelenting. So we see customers, we think they're going to be much more interested in these energy as a service, third party financing type programs. I know from working with some of your colleagues that Duke is actually looking at that area and you're putting more energy as a service type programs in place. Is that an area of increased focus for the company in terms of how you're evolving to meet the market needs? Absolutely. In fact, that's really what we see as our core competence is we have a history, obviously, as an energy company. So we have core competency and expertise in energy. And what we're able to do because we have access to capital and low cost capital is we're actually able to provide solutions that are more of a service, whether it be energy as a service, energy efficiency mm -hmm. as a service, call it Utility is a service, but I say utility in looking at providing customers water, deionized water, or reverse osmosis water, steam, air as a service, in addition to providing electric, electrical infrastructure as a service as well. So all of these things we're, we're actually working with our customers to provide. And one of the benefits of us doing this is that by us providing either an operating or a capital lease to them, they're able to conserve their capital and invest in their core competence as a business mm -hmm. and not actually invest that in energy, which for most companies isn't a core competence. So by utilizing that capital for something that's much more valuable to them, it allows them to really accelerate their growth in the industry and not have to focus this capital on things that aren't core to them. So mm -hmm. that's one of the values that we bring is that uh, we, we do provide these different solutions, whether it be resiliency or solar, solar microgrid with PPAs, UPS and backup generation as a service, electrical infrastructure as a service, these are all done with our capital. And then we just have a predictable outflow of cash for the customer over time. It provides value to them in that they invest in their business and value to us because we can provide that expertise and provide this to them as a customer. Yeah, that's super. And, and that's obviously a, a big theme of our event this week because we really see those types of models helping accelerate deployment of distributed energy resources. Looking forward a little bit, I mean, you've got careers worth of great experience in energy technology, not necessarily as a utility executive, but in the energy industry with a focus on technology. What's your sense, Bob, for what's on the horizon and 
What do you think are the things we'll really be talking more about over the next 18 to 24 months? I think there's three areas that we'll focus in on as we go forward as far as new and emerging areas. So the first is fleet electrification and EV charging infrastructure. Second would be solar storage and resiliency together. And then the third would be energy efficiency as a, as a service. So if we, we look at EV and fleet electrification, one of the things that is being proven is that electric vehicles have a lower operating cost than traditional in, internal combustion engines. So customers recognize that. They also have a positive environmental impact because they don't have any direct emissions. And then you can further enhance that by actually using renewables to power up and, and actually provide the energy for your electric vehicles or your fleet vehicles. So this is one of the trends that we see. And in fact, interestingly, if you look at a company like Amazon, and I know I mentioned them before, but they announced that they're making an $800 million investment in Rivian. And then they're also purchasing 100,000 fleet electrical vehicles from that company. So they're making a, a strong investment in, in electric vehicles. Actually, just this week, Duke announced that we're going to be committing a, a big investment in electric vehicles and, in fact, converting most of our fleet of vehicles to electric by 2030. So we're also making that commitment. So as we look forward, we see this as an opportunity where we can help customers then through solar solutions that we can provide to them behind the meter, coupled with electrification solutions that'll charge their fleet, we can provide those solutions to our customers as a company. So that's the first. If we look at solar storage and resiliency, this is one area where we can really provide a spectrum of solutions depending on what customers need. So not every solution is relevant for every customer. So a large CNI customer might have different needs from a city or school or a large agriculture customer. So we can really tailor those solutions for based on what the customers need. So part of it starts around organizations understanding what their cost of electricity is in their grid downtime. If they can understand the cost of electricity, whether they have a net metering program, and also if they have an outage, what does that cost to their business? That's going to be a big start when they're looking at that. And then when we look at the solutions, if we look at solar as an example, we're able to cut monthly energy bills and emissions by deploying solar solutions behind the meter. In energy storage, we can amplify those savings by, by shaving demand and then controlling cost usage when we actually power and recharge those batteries when power is least expensive. Mm -hmm. And if you think about generators and UPS or uninterruptible power supplies, they further increase insurance that the power is on when, when needed. So this is really important when we think about customers that we talked about earlier that are threatened by hurricanes or wildfires and those type of things. And then if we look at energy efficiency as a service, mm -hmm. we're able to provide lighting solutions as well as HVAC solutions that have a number of benefits for customers. So these solutions typically, again, we go back to that capital discussion we had earlier. It allows customers to conserve their own capital for their own core competence. And then we can provide subscription payments that allow customers to have a predictable budget on what they spend on energy efficiency. It also lowers their energy usage, which helps the customers continue to drive to achieve their sustainability goals and reduce their carbon footprint. Then finally, it promotes a much safer and more productive work environment with better lighting, better ventilation, heat, cooling, and air quality. So these are all great ways that a customer can, can actually go forward and deploy some new technologies that are coming out. Well, those are, those are three really hot topics that we agree are going to be huge in 2021. The amount of activity in particular around fleet electrification and deployment of EV charging infrastructure, the speed with which 
that's taking place is really kind of phenomenal. So we will look forward to more of what's coming down the pike from Duke Energy in these three areas. Great. Thanks, John. I'd like to thank Bob once again for his insights on the future of utility energy services and the exciting changes taking place at Duke Energy. I'd also like to thank you, our community of listeners, for listening to the podcast and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. And to learn about how you can become a part of the upcoming Renewable Energy Sourcing Forum taking place December 7th through the 11th, visit the links in the show notes. We're honored to have the opportunity to share conversations with leaders of the energy transition in this podcast, on our website, and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.